we were sitting at brunch and this older lady who would have been easily in her late 80s, you know, possibly 90s, just kept staring at us and staring at us. And it was becoming a little bit awkward. And then her family went up and paid and everything. And as they were leaving, she got up and she walked over and she just said, I just wanted to say, it's so lovely to see a gay couple in Ballarat here having brunch. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, And then left. And I thought, (laughs) again, it was this whole thing of, oh, no, there's this perception of, like, this person staring at us, like we're feeling uncomfortable. But it was actually from a place of love. Mm. And that's been my experience with Ballarat. My name is Dane, and I am a queer woman living on Wadarung country. I work as the Regional Community Engagement Coordinator for Midsummer, and am very proud to be part of the team who brought Pride Finder to life. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Wadarung and Jarjawarung lands of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respect to Elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognise the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years, and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. The episode you're about to hear is with Jay, who is one of the driving forces behind Frolic Festival in Ballarat. He grew up in Mallacoota, where there are essentially no queer community, and has now set up his life in Ballarat, building the community that he wishes he had as a kid. You'll hear how passionate Jay is about Ballarat and the importance of festivals like Frolic, which bring our community together to feel safe and celebrated. He works tirelessly throughout the year to bring these things together, so it's lovely for him to have a moment in the spotlight as well. Let's hear from Jay. Uh, yeah, my name is Jay Morrison. I'm one of the co-directors of the Ballarat Frolic Festival, which is our local Pride Festival. How long has that been going for? Uh, it's been running since 2017. Okay, and you've been involved with it the whole time? No, I started getting involved in 2018 when I moved to Ballarat. What does the festival involve? So the festival is now a twice yearly event. So we have a uh, sort of a lighter summer community festival. It's very community focused. Uh, For us, it's really important that connection to community and with each other is at the forefront of what we do. So we're very grassroots. We're very, uh, we promote a lot of regional art artists and art uh, and it's a very local community festival there's lots of different organizations who are involved and a lot of local people we do have performers obviously that we get from melbourne that people want to see but it's a great festival and then we had we last year during covid uh or the year prior sorry we experimented with doing a uh, more darker queerer kind of festival for winter Oh, yeah. Um, based off sort of the European Christmas pagan mm. winter kind of festival mm. vibe that uh, if you've been in Europe during winter, you have probably come across something similar. Okay. Uh, but we wanted to do that in a queer 
way. Yeah. So we've also got the winter festival that also runs as well. Oh wow, when's that? So that will be that aligns with the winter solstice. Okay. So this year it will only be our second, but the last one was very, very popular and very well received. Mm. It's, we have a, a midwinter festival during that time too called the Hume Valley Midwinter Festival during solstice and it's pagan and people, it's amazing, have all yeah. these rituals and yeah. burning, lots of burning. <laughs> yeah, well, my goal is to eventually burn something on Lake Wendaree <gasps> here Ooh, and we pitched that to council and surprisingly they were kind of receptive, which we weren't expecting. <laughs> they started talking about the logistics of what that would be and, oh. you know, the hurdles. And we thought, oh, wow, we thought they'd just rule it out straight away. Um, but we think, yeah, something like that. Our last festival, um, we had an, art, an immersive art experience where we took people on a journey um, through a derelict factory. Um, it used to be a bacon and factory uh, where they would bring in the pigs below, they would um, slaughter the pigs on site, and then they would... This, this is very graphic, sorry um, for anyone listening, but uh, we would raise, uh, then they would bring it upstairs and then they would cure the meats and, and process the meats. But obviously that was in a residential area and, you know, you're talking, you know, 100 years ago kind of thing. It's been a long time and uh, it closed down probably 20 to 30 years ago and has been left derelict. So we took over that space um, and had this immersive journey of connection and uh, these amazing artists and projections and you know performers and it was just this fantastic experience um, that was very well received it was very uniquely Ballarat but yeah we're hoping to do something similar this year oh wow so is that your full-time no, no I have a full-time job oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so I do all of this um, along with the other directors as well there's three other directors and we do this we all have full-time jobs wow. and we do this on top of our full-time mm. jobs, which sometimes it's not uncommon for us to finish work for the day and then I kind of close my laptop and then I, my work laptop and I open my personal one and, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, time to wind it up now. I've got to go to sleep and yeah, absolutely. do that again the next right. day. So Okay. But you yeah. just love it so much. Well, these sorts of events, I grew up in Gippsland, mm -hmm. uh, in Far East Gippsland, actually, a very small, tiny town where there was one gay person uh, and there was a thousand, population of about 1,000 to 1,200 people when I was there in the 90s and there was one gay person and there was no visibility, there was no media at that time. We're talking pre-Will and Grace era, um, which is a marker I think in common media, um, you know, even pre-Ellen mm -hmm. coming out a couple of years before Will and Grace. So there was just no visibility, no representation. And I know how isolating it is to grow up and be questioning your sexuality in those that time. And so it's important for me, as I've gotten older, that I can give back. Uh, in some way and ensure that there is representation. It's not just on TV or in movies either, which is fantastic. These days we are seeing so much better representation in the media, but it's also in your community. Uh, and in somewhere like regional Victoria, 
we don't necessarily have common places that we go to either and common spaces. So, you know, in Melbourne, you've got Smith Street and, you know, there's all these bars that cater just to our community, which are a focal point for our community. And that's really great. But we don't have that in regional areas because it's not sustainable to do that long term. So festivals and, and events that bring community together are really important. So, you know, sometimes I do question my sanity about getting involved, and I think we all do, but mm, it's important. A greater good. It's a greater good. Yeah. We, we want to put back. Yeah. And how, like, how important are these celebrations, festivals for the wider community's kind of attitudes changing? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is very important. And we've seen Ballarat, when I first, I first started looking at properties this way about eight years ago, um, when I was looking for somewhere that I wanted to move, I wanted to move back to the country. I'm from the country originally. I'm a bit of a country boy. I wanted the country lifestyle and the, and the smaller community because it's really easy to get it's really hard to make a contribution and it's really hard to make community in somewhere like Melbourne. You know, even when I attend Melbourne events and when I used to attend Melbourne events, you go with a group of friends and you just kind of stick with that group of friends. It's, it's very rare that you kind of mingle intergenerationally across different cultural divides uh, it, it, outside of our community. Um, and so I was looking at Ballarat and I had a lot of people tell me, don't move to Ballarat. Okay. It's very homophobic. People who grew up here in the 90s especially were telling me, do not move to Ballarat. It is not safe for you. However, I found it completely the opposite. Mm. The marriage equality vote plebiscite uh, announcement was the day that I moved to Ballarat. So I moved my stuff in in the morning into my new house. And then I went down for the announcement of the vote at Ballarat Trades Hall. There was a couple of hundred people there, all waiting, all hugging each other. Everyone's super nervous about the result. And then when they announced the result, everybody erupted in cheers. When we saw the local result as well, it was above the national average. Wow. It was, you know, one of the highest percentages in Victoria. Um, so it was incredibly positive. And the thing is in Ballarat, it does have a reputation, you know, that nineties sort of reputation, which was, um, has kind of stuck to it, but the allies in this community play a really important role because, you know, as we've, as they've gotten bigger, everyone knows somebody who's gay. Or they may have gay kids or questioning kids or trans kids. There's a huge trans community in Ballarat as well. And a lot of them are just passing. They just want to pass. Um, but there's others who are quite uh, visible mm -hmm. and uh, really do a lot of great work about raising visibility around trans um, issues in Ballarat. And the community, people especially city people, I think, believe that, oh, it's in the, in the country, everyone's behind, you know, they're in the sticks. There's a, there's a different attitude, but it's really not like that. I've had a friend who is trans who moved to Ballarat 
a couple of years after I did and said that they experienced less transphobia in Ballarat than what they did on the streets of Melbourne. Wow, that's pretty incredible. So what do you think the people who you were, te- who were telling you that Ballarat's like this, you know, what do you, where do you think that was coming from? Personal experience or just, you know, word of mouth or just... I think a little bit of word of mouth, but also it was, there was in the 80s and early 90s, there was a lot of violence and it was, you know, a culture of fear, I think, around queer people. And the people, one of the main people who who told me this is somebody that I work with. He's a straight man, very supportive of the community. He grew up in Ballarat and he went to high school here. And so he had seen what it was like for gay people in that in that time, like in the 80s and 90s. And I do believe that there was some bashings and things, especially in the 80s, and a lot of people moved away. But we're seeing now that the community is embracing us. Mm. Um, and it's... I also believe that country people... This, sounds, this might be controversial, but I think that country people are pretty accepting because everyone does their own thing. So it's very much like, you know, cool, that's your thing. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. As long as you're not mean or horrible to me, I won't be mean and horrible to you. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a tricky situation because obviously we don't want them to be mean ever, right? Mm-hmm. But growing up, I think people's attitudes have changed. People know somebody that's gay. They have friends who are gay. They have kids now. You know, Mm. some of the stats in Ballarat, every Ballarat high school has a pride club now. So in the last few years, that is something that's really stepped up and there's been some community organisations who have stepped in and filled that need. And hopefully that means Mm. that when people grow up and they finish high school and they can go to university locally to study, they can go to TAFE locally to study, they don't have to move away. Mm, to find their people or community, mm. it's there. Yeah, yeah because in the 90s for me, when I uh, hit 18 and finished high school, I was out mm-hmm. straight away. Um, you know, I moved to Melbourne because I needed to find my community and I wasn't out in high school and it took even another couple of years for me to be able to feel comfortable to even come out once I was in Melbourne, um, once I found community. But... You know, I I know it's a lot, I won't say easier, because I think that, you know, it's it's just a different experience for younger people these days. They have representation, they have support. Um, and we, we, you know, this year for our festival, there is an event that uh, we are holding, which is an inclusive event uh, that's a youth-focused event. And it was it's been co-designed by local uh, young people who said, we want to run an inclusive event for all young people, whether they are queer, not queer, autistic, not autistic, you know, whether they have a disability, whether they are in foster care, whether they are with, um, you know, a family unit, like real diversity. uh, And they said, we want to run that. We want to run that as part of Frolic, but but our own event as well. And we said, fantastic, great, go for it. Mm. We'll, we'll be there. We'll support you. What do you need? Yeah, awesome. 
Mm. Yeah. And what was it like for you going, did you go back to the Gippsland after your coming out in Melbourne and what was that like? I go back to visit family. Yeah. But it is a very, where I grew up, very small town uh, called Malakuta. It's where the bushfires mm. were through and one in three houses um, burnt down just a couple of years ago. So it it's still a very small town and I kind of just pop in and out. But no one, even the people in high school who were, uh, I wouldn't say bullies, but, you know, who just weren't pleasant around that sort of stuff. I think kids are, can be inherently mean, right? Like, it doesn't matter. It's just anything different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Totally. Um, kids will prey on that because we are a tribal mm-hmm. sort of humanity. The way we've survived is by picking out people who are different. Uh, and so it's a bit of an instinct thing. But even those people, when I see them, ask me about my partner, ask me how I'm doing, you know, they're they're happy to engage and, and chat. It's it's not an issue anymore. And I think that that comes with maturity. I think that that's come with where we're at as a society now. But I, I do pop back and I feel safe when I do. Great. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's good. But there was a time when it was a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. um, where I didn't go back for quite a few years. But once I accepted myself, I think that you also have to accept others and where people are at on that journey because I have been lucky enough to be able to come out, you know, even when I like, and yes, I think I was 20 when I came out, but there are people who aren't so lucky. And I've met a lot of people, whether that's, you know, in regional Victoria or elsewhere who they can't come out until their forties, you know, there's so, I'm quite lucky and I'm happy to be visible and out and doesn't bother me anymore. Mm. Have you had any particular mentors, role models along the way who have, have helped you? I don't think so. I think there was... It was the friendship group at first. I, I met some friends who were out and proud and I was like, wow, this is this is different. You know, growing up as a country boy and I was like, I think that these might be my people. I think I have some connection here. But I've always, I have always looked up to people. I've always had mentors throughout my life. But if I was to say, did I, do I have a queer mentor that's, you know, help me with my queerness? Probably not. But there's been older people in my life who have just been accepting. I was involved a lot in the arts community growing up and then I kind of stepped back to pursue other things and got involved in sort of political advocacy and that's kind of my day job, what I do. And a lot of those people were quite progressive, I guess. So I'm not sure that they helped me with that queer journey, but they're just there. And, you know, Mm. when I I remember I was just sharing uh, with a friend of mine lunch a couple of weeks ago and uh, she's in her late 70s now. And 
she was really important in my life when I first moved to Melbourne and very accepting. And she was talking about how when I first came out to her and her husband when I was 20 mm. and they were like, oh, that's nice, dear. Do you want another glass of wine? It's <laughs> not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and mm. they had always been around queer people. They worked in the arts industries. So for them, it was not a big deal. They were like, oh, I thought you already knew. Like, I didn't know that this needed to be a discussion kind wow. of thing. But, you know, that sort of support, I mm. guess. Would be hugely. Has been hugely important. Yeah. And, and I've been privileged enough to work with some amazing people within the queer community as well, who I, I look up to. So Will Strack is uh, one of the assistant secretaries of the Victorian uh, Trades Hall and uh, her activism around uh, queer issues and workers' rights is an inspiration. She has an amazing TikTok if you ever want to okay. seek her out. Um, she has discovered that in the last 18 months, I think, and has just been having a lot of fun <laughs> on there. Really? But it, it's really great content mm. and she's quite amazing. But I've also, you know, Jamie Gardner is an amazing advocate for the community. He was a lawyer by trade. He's in his 70s as well. And the activism that he's done, and I look back at you know, the work that he's done, he was there in the early 80s when they were pushing for the decriminalisation of male-to-male sex, which many people refer to as the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria, but it's a little bit more, uh, there's a bit more nuance to that mm -hmm. than um, sort of what we kind of say these days. But, yeah, it's his work then back then I look at that and I think that's incredible you know? mm. and he's still involved in in different initiatives by the Victorian government and you know he's still involved and participating in ways that I think uh, is incredible mm. and my partner as well is an incredible inspiration so. yeah okay yeah. yeah and you both you both moved to Ballarat together and bought a home yeah yeah I bought a home here yeah. he was overseas doing his PhD at the time and had I'd been bugging him for a couple of years to say let's move let's move let's move and I want to buy a house and he was wary I think he was also hesitant about moving to Ballarat because of that that reputation and he eventually said yes and as soon as he said yes once that was it. I was like, okay, you can't take that back. I'm going to go buy a house. I'm going to find a house. And so I found us a house. I bought the house and I moved us up to Ballarat while he was still finishing his PhD and working on that in the UK. And then he joined me in that house about six months later. That's beautiful. You're mm. loving it. Yeah, love it. Love it here. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning, you know, a lot of names of people who've been strong activists and advocates and so on in the community. What about, like, what's the responsibility, would you say, for, for straight people? They need to show up. It's really important that our allies do show up when we ask them to. I'm a big believer in something called autonomous organising, which means that if you're within a community and you're organising, whether that's politically or activism-wise or even just kind of events, so that you should be the main decision-makers. 
But when a community reaches out to you and says, we need your support, then you step up. So, for instance, a, a good example of that is um, I would describe myself as a feminist, um, but I don't involve myself in spaces where women are making decisions in regards to what they need as a community. Mm-hmm. So, but if they say, we need allies or we need your support and you know, my shoulder to the wheel, I'm there to help push. Um, but I shouldn't be making and driving those decisions. I'm not going to tell somebody what is, I, I'm not going to tell a woman what is a, what's feminist and what's not, mm-hmm. for instance. You know, the autonomous organising is really important. So, and I believe as, a, as LGBTIQA plus people that we should be the main drivers of that decision making. But when we say we need you and we need you to buy tickets to our events, for example, or we need you to support us or help boost us, then that is really key because the reality is, especially in regional areas, and I've been talking about this for the last three or four days especially, is it is really hard to reach people. And one of the feedback that we... the um, the feedback that we get about our festival is, oh, I didn't know you existed. Um, and I was handing out flyers at an event recently and somebody said, oh, I didn't know you existed. When have you been running since? And it was like since 2017. And their friend turned to them and said, what do you mean you didn't know that they existed? I see them everywhere. And it's that mm-hmm. thing of it's just really hard to connect to the community. Everybody is so isolated. And there's a, about 110,000 people in Ballarat alone. And then the surrounding community, there's probably almost that again. Mm. So to reach everybody is really hard. So we do need allies to be stepping up when we ask them to, to promote something or push something or to buy tickets and, you know, create an environment where we do feel that we can kind of be out. Because we do know that there are queer people who have been in Ballarat for a long time, who have either coupled up or decided to be single, um, and they're not connected to the LGBTIQA plus community themselves, because, and that's a self-preservation thing, I think, sometimes. There's a generational thing as well. They're insular, and they're not aware of stuff. So if their friends are saying, oh, we're going to this event, you should come too, then it will probably drive them mm. to also come. And that's important. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, going back to the Gippsland just for a moment, yeah. do you ever think of when you said there was only one gay person living in yes. your town, do you ever think about that person? And yeah, the, yeah, all the time, yeah. all the time. Uh, and I do try and see him when I'm there um, because he is still there. I, I think the community... It's probably doubled <laughs> since then. Uh, yeah, look, th- there are other queer people there now. Um, that was a bit of a joke, but <laughs> it's uh, well, yeah, yeah. But it it's not a it's not a huge community. Mm-hmm. I would say there's probably about half a dozen. But I I do think of him, and he is remarkable in the way that he's just lived his life essentially, as he's wanted to live it. I've bumped into him in Melbourne before. He does um, come to Melbourne, uh, go to Melbourne occasionally and, you know, for big events and things to connect with the community. But 
Yeah, it is isolating, I think. I know that Gippsland Pride Initiative have done some fantastic work and, you know, I was talking to Caitlin the other day at Midsummer Carnival about all of the events that they're doing and Gippsland is so large. And I mentioned, of course, that I was originally from Gippsland and we were kind of talking about that, about how there's so many events and it's people are... And I was thinking about Malakuta and I was thinking, oh, you know, it would be great to do something in Malakuta again to kind of go back and be involved. There used to be an arts festival in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s and unfortunately it folded. But I think it would be it would be good to do something there again and I think about what could I do to assist with that mm. because Gippsland Pride is doing such an amazing job but Gippsland is very large. Yeah, sounds it. Mm. Yeah. It's, yep. yeah. And, you know, Malakut is so isolated from the rest of Gippsland right. as well. So Malakut is the very tip of Victoria mm-hmm. on the right and so from here it's a, almost a nine-hour drive. So from Melbourne it's about seven and a half mm. hours. So it's quite a hike and the People go, oh, well, you know, they could go to Bansdale Lake Entrance. That's a four-hour drive. That's still quite far. And if you don't know anyone and you don't have anybody else in your community going, is that something that you're going mm. to want to connect with? Yeah. But it's, it's percolating mm. in the back of my head about maybe doing something there in the future. Okay. Mm. Yeah. When well, it sounds time. like, yeah, it sounds <laughs> like you're making really positive inroads here. Yeah. Into the... I'm, I'm really... The town has embraced the community. I, you know, I remember coming to Ballarat in the early 2000s and we would get abuse yelled at us from cars, passing cars. And I tell this story to people because I find it slightly amusing, but my partner and I, he would not hold my hand for the first few years that we lived here until he started coming to frolic events and he saw that there was a community here and that people were really supportive. And I think I showed some affection to him at the lights in town. I think I put my head on his shoulder or something like that. And somebody yelled at us from a car. And then they pulled up. Like the passenger yelled out at us and then the driver pulled up. And he had a very visceral reaction. And there was definitely a fight or flight and mostly flight response kicked in. And he panicked. And for me, I have the opposite. I'm more of a fighter. Um, And so I said, excuse me, excuse me. And I called out and I said, what did you just say? Um, Because that was the first experience that I thought, oh, wow, this is really hostile. Um, You know, you get some stuff online, but it's usually, you can tell it's one or two people who have created multiple accounts and that sort of thing. But, you know, to be faced with this in the street, in my home um, was quite quite confronting. I said, oh, what did you just say? And all of a sudden she realised and her face dropped. The person who'd yelled out at us. And she said, oh, I said, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, I just, I thought it was so adorable. And I said, oh, okay. We thought that you yelled out something homophobic. And she was horrified and she was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And I said, look, just for future reference, probably never a good idea to yell out 
at gay people from a passing car. Um, and she ended up giving my partner a hug and being like she was, you know, on the verge of tears because she was like, she realised that she had really scared him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I tell that story to say we're actually getting people yelling out positive things from cars rather than negative in Ballarat. It would be great if just yelling from cars was not a thing, um, but I'm much rather happier that it's positive oh, wow. than negative. So, Gosh. Um, you know, and that same weekend we were sitting at brunch and this older lady who would have been easily in her late 80s, you know, possibly 90s, just kept staring at us and staring at us and it was becoming a little bit awkward. And then her family went up and paid and everything. And as they were leaving, she got up and she walked over and she just said, I just wanted to say, it's so lovely to see a gay couple in Ballarat here having brunch. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, And then left. And I thought, (laughs) again, it was this whole thing of, oh, no, there's this perception of like this person staring at us like we're feeling uncomfortable. But it was actually from a place of love. Mm. And that's been my experience with Ballarat. Wow. Yeah. It's very loving place. I'm very glad that I moved here. (laughs) And there is a strong, there is thousands of queer people here, Mm. like an absolutely huge queer community and it's growing. And it's very funny that now when we talk about Ballarat, we say, oh yeah, that's the Fitzroy part. Oh yeah, that's a little bit Brunswick over there. (laughs) Like we just know, like, you know, the, the, Brunswick lesbians um, are moving to, you know, Ballarat East, you right. know, um, yeah. and it's wow. great, you know, awesome. like it's it's adding extra to Ballarat. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. and we love it. Wow. Well, that's a really beautiful positive note to finish, hey? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> thank thank you. you for sharing. No, thank you for letting me rant on. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout the series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pridefinder, the Rainbow Road Trip was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 